Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, let's get this thing started. Drop the subject with Allie and Jarrett on this lovely Wednesday, and we continue to share. Coming out stories all week long leading up to National Coming Out Day this Friday. Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There will be joining us a little later in the show to give us an exclusive debut of his coming out story, which I didn't realize he's never told anybody. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, We have, of course, dropped the president because there's all kinds of things going on in the 2020 election. Because our whole goal is to drop the president. It is, yeah. yeah. And is Hillary Clinton going to join in the race? I mean, there's a lot to talk about. And... Some of you, if you're in the Bay Area, might be going to work a little late today because there was a giant power shutoff starting at 4 a.m. this morning. So if you woke up to no alarm and you're like, what the hell's going on? You are not alone. There are I, I saw 150,000 customers without power, but you saw a lot more, right? Yeah. So they're saying that it's going to be up to 800,000 people. Uh, this morning, it says the first power cut. This is coming from the LA Times, by the way. It says the first power cutoffs expected to affect 513,000 customers began shortly after midnight in several counties, including uh, Sacramento, uh, Placer, Yuba, and others um, amid strengthening winds to continue um, as they continue to roll through the early morning hours. So, this is because last year uh, there were some heavy winds, and uh, the power lines being active is what started massive fires. Yeah. And PGE got into some significant in trouble over that and is um, having to pay out a lot of money and I think they either were on the verge of bankruptcy or, or filed for bankruptcy after it because they were there they were going to be liable for so much damage so this is a way of them trying to mitigate that and trying to stop it from happening again yeah but it's a pretty significant step to take well yeah because the alternative for them is okay this year why don't we get sued less yeah okay because exactly. that cost us a lot of money last year so why don't we just um, you know what Let's just cut everyone's power. <laughs> That's I mean, the only option. I mean, I'm sure that is the safest option. That's the safest way to go about it. But to think... I was actually trying to explain this to Katie a couple of days ago because I was like, yeah, I think a bunch of you know people are going to be without power this week because of PG&E. They're shutting off a bunch of power. And she was like, yeah, but like I feel like they get blamed for everything. And for the was, power company? Yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, they are responsible for a lot of the fires. And she was like, yeah, but I mean, all they have, like, their power just exists. Like, it's not like she she wasn't sure what they did wrong in order to be held especially responsible. I was like, well, I think that they were not keeping up with certain power lines and stuff like they should have, right? I think part of it has to do with negligence um, and... Uh, you know, not taking care of the the power lines or something like that. It's That's been a what very, I thought. It's been a, it was a very big case in Northern California earlier. My dad worked for PG&E for 32 years or whatever it is. Like, oh, is he in so, one of those commercials? Um, sure. Oh, okay. No, he's not. I don't think so. I feel like they, after one of those big uh, lawsuits came out, they had a series of commercials that are like, I've been working for PG&E for 30 years, yeah. and I love this company because X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I was like, oh, you guys PR trying. campaign, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, my dad started working there the year before I was born, and he retired about a year and a half or two years ago. Wow. Um, what did he do? Uh, he did a range of different things, but he like was he like would work the meters um, and installing them, and then he moved up to 
like commercial stuff, and then he was overseeing a big team, and um, and so he ended up having to retire early because of some injuries and stuff like that. But like he um, he worked there for a long time, so PG&E's been a part of my life, you know, since I was born. Um, but it's interesting because it says that blackouts are going to impact 34 counties in Central and Northern California. That is an enormous amount of space with a ton of different people. It says it would be the biggest power shutdown so far as utilities across the state attempt to reduce wildfire risk due to heavy wind. Um, the it's, it's and it's huge, not just residents; it's businesses too well, that are going to be that, out of power. You mentioned that in our in our pre-show meeting, and I was like, I didn't even think about businesses and how how that impacts restaurants and cafes and you know oh. hospitals and all kinds of stuff. It's just as someone, I mean, you've you you've worked in the restaurant industry, right? Mm-hmm. So that feeling of panic when the credit card machine doesn't work any longer. I mean, and the POS system is down, or the the machines won't come on, or like whatever. I yeah. mean, it is sheer panic, yeah. and you are every moment that goes by, your tip is dwindling down to nothing. So the fact that the entire restaurant and an entire, I mean, even office buildings and things like that, that have most people rely, especially up in the Bay Area, they rely on internet and power for pretty much everything. I yeah. mean, you mentioned uh, in our pre-show meeting the electric cars. How are people? I mean, if you're if you yeah. have multiple days where you're without any power, that entire city is going to shut down. Like, yeah. what are people going Absolutely. to do? Absolutely. So we figured we would share with you some fun things that you can do during a power outage. Some things that maybe you have forgotten about. Things like boggle. Things yeah, that's a good one. Like, uh, <laughs> actually, you know that that one with the electric uh, go fish. I don't know if that one would work I, if you don't have power. The Mercury News says you should go to your favorite ice cream shop and help them reduce the inventory. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing there is that go. if you have no power, then you know restaurant freezer is going to be, need to be cleared out really quickly. Exactly. So you should go anywhere where there's going to be some discounted food. They say you can hit the beach. Not sure if you want to hit the beach in the Bay Area in October, but you know no. maybe. Hey, if you want to get eaten by a shark. There you go. go. Jump right in. Uh, Telling spooky stories. It is Halloween. And it is dark in the house. Exactly. So So all you need is a good flashlight and just some improv skills. A very L.A. answer would be take a hike, because that doesn't require any power. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Uh, Sex. So, there you go. Yeah. Remember people that? like to have sex in the dark. Remember that? (laughs) I heard people do that. Yeah. Um, uh, Fulfill your hoop dreams. Don't know what that means. Okay. Um, going is that to play basketball or basketball hoops? I think it's talking about basketball. <laughs> it's like, uh, it, uh. It, yeah, it says that's a signal for you to drop by the city, have a nice meal, and get some early holiday shopping in. Um, I don't know how much holiday shopping you can do. The Mercury News is wrong on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say charades is way more fun than that. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It says read or meditate in the park. Oh, read. Okay, this is a bogus Remember list. That? I don't read know. That. No, no, no. <laughs> what are we in the 1500s? We have more of the show coming up. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, Allie, um, did you hear that there's an election going on? I did hear that. Yeah, I heard so. it from you. Oh, really? Yeah, I told you about it. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a big deal. And um, on this show, we do a segment uh, that we call Drop the President. Drop the President. 
it's kind of a pun because the show is called Drop the Subject. Right. So because it's an election uh-huh. about the president, we and call we, it Drop the President. And we want to drop the president. And we do want to drop the president. So this is a like, way of being witty about covering election 2020 exactly. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really like playing into the whole thing of, yeah. of making it a thing. So you can just take that and put it in your little pocket. Exactly. Or put it in your pipe and smoke it if you're in California. Yeah, please do. Um, so Who uh, uses th- pipes anymore? Exactly. <laughs> I know, right? I have one and I'm like, man, this thing, I've had it since high school. We're, I love it and I never use it. We're really digressing okay, here. Okay. Right. This is not drop the pipe, it's drop the president. What's um, going on? Hillary Clinton is on a bit of a press tour right now because she has a new book out with her daughter Chelsea um, that's called the, book of, the Big Book of Gutsy Women. And so they're doing a bunch of interviews. Oh, that is graphic. Well, it's... <laughs> What? I don't know. I just feel like I have a gross image in my mind. The That's big you're a book lesbian. of gutsy women. Well, it's just like strong women. They've Hillary done like Chelsea big things. Pantsuits. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so, what's awesome though is like Hillary's on this book tour while Donald Trump's impeachment inquiry is beginning. Like, it's almost two perfects, right? Her tour started, I think, like two days after the impeachment inquiry or something Can't like write this stuff. You can't, because no one would believe it. Um, but what's been great is I'm enjoying seeing Hillary Clinton on a press tour saying like, oh, Donald Trump's obsessed with me because he knows he's an illegitimate president. And it's <laughs> like, this is delicious. Is that what he's, she's saying? Yes, absolutely. She's been on The View, she's been on CNN saying like, oh, he's totally obsessed with me because he knows he's an illegitimate president. That's so great because, I mean, I know that Obama doesn't really like to fuel the fire when it comes to Donald Trump and all that stuff. Like, he's very hush-hush about a lot of it. Right. Uh, And it's just interesting to see other people be like, you suck! Right. And especially, like, Hillary Clinton, who's, like, always been so measured and all that. I'm just kind of, like, enjoying seeing her, like... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, having a good time. This is available in paperback. Right. And Chelsea Clinton is, like, she is someone who will clap back at Donald Trump or at Donald Trump Jr. And, like, I I enjoy it. So, um, it's been interesting, though, because apparently she... uh, This CNN story says, Former Secretary of of State Hillary Clinton on Tuesday shot back at President Donald Trump after he taunted her about entering the 2020 presidential election, saying, don't tempt me, do your job. Yes, and that was like, it it got everybody's attention because everyone was like, wait, don't tempt you? So you theoretically could and would jump in? Because she always said that she would never. Here's the thing. I would love that. Like I, she was just like, doom, I'm listen, back. Hillary has her flaws. Do not get me wrong. Like Hillary, there's a lot of issues with Hillary Clinton, but like I would take her as president of the United States like immediately. Um, and so I, but this came as a as a response really because Donald Trump had tweeted before. I think that crooked Hillary Clinton should enter the race to try and steal it away from Uber left Elizabeth Warren. Um, only one condition he adds that the crooked one must explain all of her high crimes and misdemeanors, including how and why she deleted 33,000 emails after getting a C subpoena. This this guy, if anybody brings up these damn emails again, I'm going to well, cut someone. But like, I, I also don't want you to miss like the irony of this. Like, he's Oh, talk- I know! Well, he's talking about after she received the subpoena, how she wasn't doing what she was asked and to do. And he has subpoenas of his own. Subpoenas. Like, many subpoenas. Subpoena. There's no problem with like, subpoenas. Which we'll, we're going to talk about later on in Trump Around, but, like, I, I'm i just kind of, like, blown away by, by it sometimes. Well, so then that's interesting. So, Hillary Clinton might be hitting the stage with the other candidates in the next, next uh, debate, which is November 20th. What? 
Are I'm, you high? No, I'm just saying if she jumps in. Oh, I was like, what are you talking You're about? Like, no. I, got, I got a little bit excited, actually. <laughs> no, if she does jump in, then she will be alongside Elizabeth Warren. These are the people who have qualified so far. Elizabeth Warren, who is leading in the polls as of today. Yang, Steyer, Vermont, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, even though he's having a tough time of it, and his daughter-in-law just died, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Booker, and Biden. Yeah, we've got um, a, a candidate's debate next week, and we have a forum that's going to be happening tomorrow. We'll kind of uh, fill you in on all those things. And uh, something else just happened with Bernie Sanders. Yeah, his that's, daughter-in-law. That's yeah. terrible. So we'll talk about all those things coming up next. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Drop wow. the subject with Allie and Jarrett. Moving right along, we will uh, cover a little bit more in Drop the President right now because we got to talk about what's going on with the burn. Bernie Sanders. He was in the hospital last week. He had a heart attack. It seems like he is well enough to go for a walk and that he will be on the debate stage, which seems way too soon for yeah. a lot of people. And, and and I'm sure people might be a little bit worried about him. He has admitted that this will affect how he runs his campaign. I mean, it's going to have to be. I'm sure he will not be making as many appearances and traveling as much as he normally would be. So that is going to change the trajectory of the campaign. Maybe this has something to do with why Elizabeth Warren is now leading in the polls. But then, out of left field, more heartbreak comes Bernie Sanders' way. No because pun intended. No. You said heartbreak. Oh, sorry. Not, oh, too not soon. a good look, Allison. No, sorry. That was an accident. Okay. Or was it? All right. His daughter-in-law has just passed away, and this is very sudden because she was only 46 years old, and this was just days after she got diagnosed with cancer. So this must be... I mean, really, really tough to deal with all of this. I mean, dealing with being in the hospital amongst big campaign that's, you know, one of the biggest moments of your life and in your career. And then you're trying to get back on your feet. You're trying to get back in the race. And then somebody close to you passes away suddenly. I guess she got diagnosed last week with cancer after several weeks of just feeling ill. Like she wasn't feeling that great. She went in and then she got the diagnosis and just boom, like out of nowhere, passed away yeah. so it's a really That's, big it's a really hard time for the sanders clan right now really awful um i'm i i feel like it, i mean i've been very vocal that i'm not a big bernie sanders fan but and like i don't want him to continue running for president but all of that aside i feel like bernie sanders needs to take a moment you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like take a take a break, buddy. Take a take a week. Like Warren's uh, got the reins. I mean, all right, you know, like she's she's doing most of the stuff that you want to be doing. Yeah, I and just you've paved the way. Yeah, I so the other thing about Bernie is he there's a, a big candidates forum happening tomorrow with HRC and CNN where each candidate will be on stage and will be you know discussing um, things from the LGBTQ perspective. Bernie Sanders is not expected to be there, from what I understand. Um, however, uh, shameless plug, we will actually have live uh, post-forum coverage here on Channel Q tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific, midnight Eastern time, right after all of the polls, uh, after the forum ends uh, with HRC folks. So that's going to be fun. We'll have a, a panel of folks that will be here to break down what happened, uh, take go through some of the highlights and all that kind of stuff. But I just... 
when I'm thinking about Bernie Sanders, there's a debate next week. I can't imagine going into a debate two weeks after having heart surgery. No. How are you supposed to even... I mean, you're on... You've got to be on tons of pain medication. Yeah. You've got to be completely disoriented. You're figuring out how to even walk again. And then to be able to answer these tough questions. I mean, what are they... And then are the moderators going to be asking him different questions or or treating him differently because of his condition? Which, either way that goes, it's fair, right? Like, you want to acknowledge and honor that he's gone through this but he's also there and I also think about like we talk about uh, in 2008 when John McCain um, was when he pulled himself out of the race because of the economic crisis the recession was beginning and people responded to that saying like you'd have to deal with this if you were president. So I don't know what the right answer is. Like, maybe he should keep going because that's, that's you know, what, what you'd have, have to do, do as a pre- president. Yeah. But also, like, you're not president right now. You don't have to keep going. You can take a break at the very least, not necessarily getting out of the race. But Yeah. Uh, well, it seems like we have Ginger Justin is waving his arms because we have a phone call. And this is, I, I don't know what's good. Is this power outage related or what? Chris from San Jose is joining us, and we were talking earlier about the power outages and what do you do if you work at these different businesses, and you were talking about restaurants. Uh, and Chris, I understand you work at a restaurant, and you've been through this before, right? Yeah. Well, I worked uh, in a restaurant, the same restaurant, for almost nine years and dealt with a couple power outages. And uh, I mean, from a server point of view, that's actually kind of a good thing because, you know, nothing kind of gets the juices flowing that, oh, hey, I get to go home early today. I get to take the rest of my day, have some fun, you know. Um, but that's not even the bad part. The bad part is when your systems go down, your Internet's not working, and everybody is trying to run credit cards at the same time on these old, you know, the old credit card scanners where you actually have to slide the, the thing. To oh, yeah, the, the back and forth thing. Oh, those are so fun, though. Well, sort of. I mean, they're time consuming. It. So, Chris, how are you enjoying your new job working in an echo chamber? <laughs> uh, let me pull over real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, we appreciate you giving us a call. Um, I, I'm, are you are you going to be affected by the power outages in the future? Uh, I'm not. I'm actually just is just outside of the area affected by the power outages. Okay. Now, wh- when you were working in the restaurants during the power outages, did you offer free food to anybody or give anybody a discount or anything like that for the inconvenience or to clear out the fridge? Uh, usually like some chips and salsa or something, but that's about it. That's all we really have the power to offer. Chips and salsa? Chips I mean, are like completely non-perishable. Exactly. What that's, is the point? That's what he's saying. What because it's non-perishable, they can they can serve that. They don't they don't have a fridge. Yeah, but what about all the stuff that's in the freezer that they have to get rid of? That's what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, that's inventory. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that it's like, well, we got to basically keep the doors closed to the fridge and the freezers and try to keep that folded before it goes bad. Oh, so you just hope <laughs> close the freezer and hope for the best? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't store all that stuff away and then the power comes back tomorrow. Okay, well, I'm just saying, yeah. if if the time comes, I think that some of the customers should benefit with some free carne asada. Oh, you got very specific there. I think that carne asada belongs in the hands of the people. Well, there you go. That's democracy <laughs> for you. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate you calling. Yeah, thanks. 
if you want to give us a call to tell us your story, um, you can definitely do that. Our phone number is 833-77-CALL-Q. Yes, please do. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about how half of millennials and 75% of Gen Zers quit jobs because of mental health, for mental health reasons. It is a new and growing trend. So we're going to talk about that. There's a lot to break down there. And plus, Ryan Mitchell is going to be coming up in just a little bit telling his coming out story. Yes. That's in about 15 minutes. Yes, he is uh, meandering into the studio, I believe, as we speak. So and we're going to be talking to him soon. He's never told this story, which um, I didn't know before we, we asked him to do this. Yeah, so that's we have kind of cool. no idea what he's going to say. So yeah. it's exciting. <laughs> Breaking news here on Drop the Subject. Don't go anywhere. Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the Subject with Allie and Jarrett. Some Jonas Brothers for you, or at least one of the three. And I don't, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit with the morning show, uh, the morning beat during Crosstalk today, but this is so interesting because, you know, mental health is something we talk about on a regular basis on this show. We both find it very important. We, of course, are huge advocates for everybody being in therapy. Of course, I'm married to a therapist, so I'm slightly biased, uh, but I think I actually need more therapy because I'm married to a therapist, but that's besides the point. <laughs> the real point here is that there has been a new survey done about people in the workforce and specifically millennials and Gen Zers and how they handle and put their mental health before their work ethic these days to the tune of 75% of Gen Zers quitting jobs for mental health reasons in the past and half of millennials. This was part of a survey. This is fascinating uh, information for baby boomers. That's the 55 to 73 age range. That number was the lowest when it came to turning down jobs for mental health reasons. Less than 10% say they have left a job for mental health-related reasons. And when we say mental health, that could be you know, having a job that you hate, but it also, two of the biggest factors in this study where people were leaving were things like money and work. So the actual amount of work, the volume of work versus the pay grade. Which is, what is also interesting in this article, it says 60% of people say they've experienced symptoms of mental health issues in the past year. I think also um, we kind of hear conversation kind of about mental health in a similar way that we hear about um, LGBTQ people identifying like people are like, oh, there's so many more people that are LGBTQ and da, 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 da. And it's like, no, I don't think there are more people that are LGBTQ. I think people are more comfortable talking about it. And I think mental health is kind of seeing the same thing where it's not like more people have anxiety or more people are depressed. I think more people have the language for it now. More people know what it is. Some um, people just called it sad. Exactly. They're like, oh, I'm having a bad day or right. a bad week or a bad year or whatever, um, I think now people are recognizing like, oh, this is a thing. And I can uh, I can attest to that personally. And I've, I've said this multiple times on the show. For me, like, I didn't know that I was depressed I'd, until like talking about it with a therapist and hearing friends discuss it and recognizing, oh, that's what this is. Oh, this is what anxiety looks like and feels like. And I think so many millennials are in this time now where we're discussing it more. It's There's a lot less stigma, but there still is some stigma um, where people are more comfortable to say like, you know what, this isn't good for me, or I don't feel okay. And I think a lot of us have seen our parents go through depression, yeah. our parents and our grandparents. Or just kind of muscle through things. Exactly. Without really dealing with things and that knowing, are going on under the surface. And us being able to look back at it and seeing how that had an adverse effect on us, like as their right. kids. You know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I know that we joke about self-care being this trend where some people can take it and run with it and be like, self-care day, I'm going to eat a pound of mayonnaise and get my nails done. <laughs> a pound of mayonnaise? Okay, maybe Ben 
and Jerry's is what I meant. Say, but what mayonnaise, are you going through? sure. You need to talk to a doctor. Really depends on your taste buds. But I mean, it, it's true. More people are taking their mental health seriously and kind of they value having a work life balance a lot more. And I'm somebody personally who doesn't think I like I always put work first I don't really think as much about taking a mental health day or like taking time for myself to take a bath or whatever but that's where I'm so grateful to have Katie because she is so about taking that time and making sure that she has a balance of work versus lifestyle and just general happiness so I um I really am glad that I have her because she's helped me balance that out a little bit more. And now I am much more able to walk away from things and say, you know what, I'm going to say no to this gig or this thing because it's a it's a mental health thing. It's something that I actually need a few hours to myself to just re- re- regenerate. Yeah, I feel I find myself trying to also take time for my own mental health and wanting to have a, a bit of a break, having a, a bit of time to just kind of uh, regroup, especially on the weekends when I'm having some downtime. I, I try to do as much as I can to consider my mental health with my friendships, my relationships, all that kind of stuff I think is really important. And I think millennials are doing that a lot more than we ever have before. Yeah. Or they're just like, you know what? This job isn't worth my time and my time is more I valuable. Exactly. Like, yeah. I don't want to waste my damn time anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, we, uh, Ryan Mitchell, I believe, is walking in any is, minute. Is ready to go. So, we're going to talk to him. We're going to hear his coming out story. We've been hearing coming out stories all week long. And we're leading up to the big national coming out day, a.k.a. the one-year anniversary of Channel Q. So, Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go, Let's go There joins us next. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Drop the Subject. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. So in celebration of National Coming Out Day on Friday, we've been sharing our coming out stories all week. Um, Jared came out again. I came out on Monday. I came out on Tuesday. Yes. And uh, it's Wednesday. And uh, we have Ryan Mitchell, who is here. He is uh, one of the co-hosts of Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Yeah, we were able to book Ryan Mitchell. It's amazing. Yeah, guys, it was pretty last minute. Let me just tell you guys, if you're listening, um, it, things are last minute here. I, I don't know. <laughs> you just wanted to ring don't the bell. Don't you dare touch that bell. <laughs> give, me, give me this. Get Jared, grab the bell. <laughs> um, so we talked to you about wanting to share your coming out yeah. story, but you said talking about coming out is kind of triggering for you. Oh my God, yeah. I think it's, um, it's always one of those things for me where I'm like remembering... Uh, I think it's like I'm remembering the good things about coming out because mm-hmm. obviously there's a new opportunity for um, for you to find your own chosen family and just f- actually find the realest people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it can bra- like bring up a lot of uh, like family drama that you might not want to really deep dive into like no. all the time. But I think this is a very special day to celebrate who you are and celebrate the courage that it takes to come out um, because I think that's just one of those things that it, it really does. And as you guys both know, I'm from the South and I grew up in a very religious family. Um, and that was a very murky water situation. I didn't come out, I guess, technically to my mom until like I was in college and I was like out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because I think that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I've actually met friends on campus. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm hanging out with the people that I love. And I had a boyfriend at the time. And so I was like, okay, this is the moment. So so set it up for us. Like, how did that... Let's go there. Yeah, let's let's really go there. Don't drop the subject. We really want to find your morning beat. On Loveline. Wait. I was really trying to make it work. (laughs) Sidebar. Uh... Well, you know, I've heard this before about college being a real eye-opening experience for people. You know, some people come out to their parents after they have left the house because they've had a couple of years to really find themselves and figure out, like you you said, the people that you want to be around and what lifestyle is right for you. And then you kind of have a couple of years to build up the courage to have enough confidence in yourself to go back to your family. It was very, uh, my case was very particular in the the moment of me being, I was like literally, I had just turned 17 on campus because I had just graduated when I was 16. Mm. And so going into this big, scary, like uh, I was staying at home my freshman year and then sophomore year that's when I moved out and I was like living in the dorm Um, and that's really where I was able to like oh I found my like kind of tribe in some way Um, but the idea of that because I know how my family is and and it's just me and my mom and my mom had made you know comments in the past about homosexuality and it being like especially when you're taught every Sunday and Wednesday and Monday are revival week that you're going to church and and vacation Bible school (laughs) and yeah yeah absolutely and also when you're a part of like the 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 music ministry it's like my life was surrounded by church and all of these kind of ideas around homosexuality that I knew wasn't right but I also always knew that why would God have created me just to send me to a place that is like fire unless mm. and it just it just made no sense to me so there was always something there that I just never clicked but I think the moment that I came out to my mom was I remember I was sitting on our stairs inside of our house wait and, sorry where in, where in the south are you from Nashville okay so I guess it's technically 15 minutes outside of Nashville, but just to give people like, oh, Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Is, is and how old are you at this point? I am 17. I'm okay. 17 turning 18. Okay. Um, and I'm like, I'm in my new relationship with my boyfriend and I was at home for the weekend and I was, we were, me and my mom were kind of having an argument already. And it was interesting because I, I don't know, something just clicked where I was like, she just said something about the idea of me changing so much. I wasn't like who she would remember. Mm. And, I and felt, were you wearing still? at this point? Actually, I was in full on drag. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, I was tucked. I was tucked. I feel I, like you've changed. I feel like you've changed. Uh, we're talking with Ryan Mitchell, co-host of Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan about his coming out story. So you said you're you're about to turn 19. Yes. Well, you're, turning just turned 18. Just turned 18, excuse yeah. me. And you're talking to your mom. Yeah. And I remember uh, we were kind of having an argument. I don't remember what it was, but me and my mother are literally the same person. So we know how to kind of bat heads with each mm. other. And um, she said something that just triggered me. And I was and about the me not being who she would remember. And there was always this idea um that because I it was it's always been me and my mom that because I found new friends I was becoming the person that I've always wanted to be and when you came home for the weekend did you already plan on possibly coming out or did this no, just happen no, okay. no, no I would have honestly if I didn't have to I possibly probably wouldn't until like I was like oh mom I'm getting married hey, oh you would have never right. said anything I, no yeah because I think it was one of those things where um it was my mom has always known for sure has always known because she's caught me looking at the gay porn she's caught me with the nasty text messages okay. she's caught me okay. so there were signs the yeah. yes yes cause your, your boy was a hoe back then uh, 
um, I love the past tense verb. Yeah, but, okay. Still same. Uh, but <laughs> I think it was an interesting situation because I remember just saying it and it was like a brief like pause. And it, it sounded like when she reacted to it, it was like, uh, I don't think she norm- She really believes me. It was like, mm. oh, like what, what does that mean? Is that just the people you're hanging out with? Are they influencing you? Okay. And I was uh. like, no. So let's pause you right here. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what your mom said and what happened from there on. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More Drop the Subject coming up. Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject returns. Allie and Jarrett here with you. And we're joined by Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There. A lot of us on Channel Q are telling our coming out stories this week to gear up for National Coming Out Day. So where we left off, Ryan Mitchell, a yes. young... Svelte, 17 going on 18, Ryan Mitchell is sitting on the steps with his mother, and he has just said, I am gay. And what happens? How did you say it, first of all? Um, well, I was arguing at the time, and, and I was kind of a little heated, and I just literally yelled it out, I'm gay. Um, and, and this I, is outside steps? No, these are inside oh, okay, steps. Okay, so okay. we're in the house at this point. Okay. And my mom's on like in the living room and I'm sitting on this. It's like weird how Southern houses are built. Um, but when she, when I said it, it took her a minute to really understand it. And then she, when she kind of, I guess, registered in her brain, she just started to go into Bible verses. Oh, and Lord. And kind of started to like go into... Um, all of that, the okay. theatrics. And I think she was more so thinking that the people around me were the ones influencing me. That were making you gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. my mom has always kind of thought like friends of mine would influence me because if it's like if I have my own choices, she needs to kind of oversee them in some way. Yeah. It's, it's the typical helicopter mom. I'm mm. an only child. So what was that like for you in that moment? She's giving um, you all of this this religious feedback. It was, I mean, for me, it was expected. And I think I, at that point, I had built up kind of a, a mechanism of being able to just kind of turn it off, mm. like just turn off. Yeah, yeah, thick like skin. Like taking yeah. it out, like not really, because me knowing like, and kind of having my own armor being me knowing, I know who I am, I know what I'm doing in this world and I know where I want to go and my sexuality is not going to affect that. It's only going to help people that are like me that need to hear and see someone like me. So and, what did you yeah. explain to her when she started rattling off you know, like to in an honest, out cup. <laughs> I mean, to be <laughs> honest, it's been several conversations and uh, up until now because yeah. I think even that first conversation of of everything, my mom still didn't get it. I think there was still some type of like, oh, this is a phase. And I mean, even until literally, probably like now. And I've even talked about it on our show. Let's go there. Like, like even the ideas of me getting married and my mom not being there because of the the the, the church aspect of yeah. it. Um, but I think from that moment, I will say me and my mom's relationship has gotten so much better, um, but I do still think there's like that elephant in the room. It's where, still a process. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I respect that because there's so many LGBTQ plus youth that have opposite experiences where they're kicked out, they're disowned, and that was always the biggest fear of mine, especially with coming out. That's why I feel like I would have waited until I 
I was like stable financially mm. and had my own stuff and had everything I needed um, and then did it because my life is built. I can relate to the multiple conversations over many years because I know from my mom, we had like many conversations, um, her saying like, what did I do wrong? Or how did this yeah. happen? And you know, it's, it's I, I heard someone say once like, it took you a long time to be able to get to the moment of coming out. Like you can't expect everyone to jump in overnight. Right. And at that, that was really uh, kind of like paradigm sh- shifting for me where I could say like, oh, I do need to give people some time because like they're not going to just embrace it in a day. Well, I knew in the beginning and just wrap it up, I knew in the beginning I was, um, I would remember people would ask me about my coming out story and like how I came out to my mom, blah, 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 like friends. And I remember I was like kind of ashamed of what happened so much mm-hmm. or I didn't want to go back to that moment. I would like make up a story and just like make it be like, oh yeah, my mom was cool about it. Just because it was like, I don't want to, I, I want to live in this fantasy world sure. where I see my friends who are gay and they have such a beautiful relationship with their parents and and it took me a moment to kind of get to that place where I'm like I didn't have that experience but what can I now do with this experience and so this is honestly like my first time like being so like open and honest about really? my coming oh, out well, experience. We really appreciate you sharing your story. Absolutely. I know it, it is interesting like my I had a very positive experience coming out. Um, my mom basically came out for me but my wife did not have that experience mm. and so it was an interesting transition when we decided to start planning a wedding and figuring out like okay my parents are there and they're showing up and they're excited but yeah. like not necessarily it's not necessarily mutual on the other side and how it can be a process and we've been together almost 10 years but it's been a big process for them yeah what is your relationship with your mom like now regarding sexuality and faith um uh, regardless faith is always a number one thing for me like i i've realized that i'm never going to be um i'm not really into organized religion mm-hmm. i'm into more so spirituality as a whole um but church is something that i've always and still to this day would feel awkward like a missing puzzle piece if i didn't have it mm-hmm. um but my mom more so doesn't we don't really even talk about sexuality and i feel like the next time i have like i'm in another relationship i i do want to feel empowered to be like hey this is who i love this is what's happening accept it or don't accept it um because at the end of the day i want you in my life but i also am not a believer in just having parents in your life if they're not doing your mental health any well yeah i, I had a what's conversation serving with, you and what's yeah. not serving yeah. You. yeah i had a conversation with my parents about that um the idea of like coming home with someone one day and telling my mom like I'm not going to do this half-assed thing with you guys. Yeah. Either you're I in can or out. Com- yeah. Either I can come with the person I'm with and it's fine, or I'm not coming at all. Yeah. It'll be one or it'll be the other, and I'm not going to dance around whether or not I'm dating someone or, or like. It's going to be what it's going to be. It's not the homie. But exactly. sometimes people need those bottom lines Absolutely. to make oh, those choices. Sure. And my mom is, we have like, honestly, we were going at points in time where we weren't talking. We would go like weeks without talking. And now we talk like every day. And I think it's it's also because I've been honest about, hey, I'm in therapy. This is what I'm expecting. And when I'm you know speaking with her, we're having those conversations where I'm like, you either listen and hear what I'm saying or we can't, I can't do it. Right. And I've had to set that down. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you um Going sharing there. with us, going there with us. You're and welcome sharing. for the exclusive. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sharing. repeating it for my show. So <laughs> right, well, we've had, yeah, we have it on tape, so yes. we can always worry us for play it yes. every single coming out. <laughs> <laughs> we've got more Drop the Subject coming up right after this. Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. All right. Enough of these coming out stories. 
Enough of all this homosexuality. Let's move on to real news. All right. I've got five headlines in front of me. You've got a bell in front of you. Jarrett Hill, are you ready for News It or Lose It headline selection? I am. Headline number one. You know who really shouldn't fall for a New York boat tour scam? Alec Baldwin. You know who did? Alec Baldwin. Let's do it. All right. Headline number two. Driver in crash accused of offering victim free chilies to not call the police. Oh, like chilies at the restaurant? <laughs> yes. Oh. Not like a bunch of Thai chilies. That's why I was like, he just has like a bunch actually, of chilies in a bag. I'm like, not, I got these chilies. Right. I got, I got jalapenos. <laughs> I got ancho. Like, what do you want? Ancho. <laughs> All right. Headline number three. Toys R Us is back. Kind of. Headline number four, a quick rundown of the most terrifying horror movies based on real events. Oh. Mm. Um, you know, I thought Halloween was one of the most scary movies because it was so plausible. So, yes. Oh, Halloween, the movie yeah, Halloween? Yeah, it's just a crazy man with a knife. Yeah, you yes. know what I mean? I mean, the, there's a lot of them out there. It's like, is no one going to kick his ass? Like, you know. <laughs> and he moves so slowly. Exactly. All right, and then finally, plane tries to crash, but can't. Uh-oh. You're the one getting on a plane this week. Oh, news. God. All right. So here's what we're newsing when we get back. Alec Baldwin fell for a New York boat tour scam. A driver in a crash has been accused of offering a victim free chilies to not call the police. Uh, Toys R Us is back, kind of. A quick rundown of most the most uh, terrifying horror movies based on real events. And Toys, uh, no, and Plane tries to crash but cannot. All of that. So much on deck, so don't go anywhere. Drop the subject comes right back. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Allie, um, yes. considering we're competing against each other, I need to be a little bit more cognizant of what I'm doing because you just got another five, four, five. I did. And you know, I I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to make you feel bad. I hate you. But <laughs> Let's hit the music. Shut my up. My stories were just too hit interesting. <laughs> Drop the Subject presents... Lose it or lose it. All right. Jarrett Hill, have you ever been scammed out of a phony ticket? <laughs> uh, like a, a phony parking ticket? No, no, no. Like, a, like you bought a ticket to an event and then it turned out to be fake, like scalpers oh. or anything like that? No, but I've had it happen to, fa- to friends. Okay. I don't buy enough tickets to stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well... There are so many ticket scalpers out there. There are so many scammers. And it's, you know, there are new ways to scam people, of course, in this new digital age. But then there are old school ways, which is just handing someone a fake ticket and taking their money. And we had a scammer last week, remember? We talked about the guy that, that the, out- the Nigerian yes. guy that Ugh. he made $25 off of him. That yeah, was great. it feels so good. Yeah. So Alec Baldwin, who is a native New Yorker, just got scammed out of... One of the biggest scam he he got scammed doing one of the biggest things that everyone does when they're in New York City, which is going on a boat tour to see the Statue of Liberty. So the fact that Alec Baldwin and his family were even doing this in the first place is hilarious to me. Like, hey, why don't we get the kids together and finally see that old Statue of Liberty when I've been living here my whole life? Well, it probably means something different to people right now with Donald Trump as president and like immigrants. <laughs> Maybe they're like, you know what? We should go see that again. Yeah, because it might not be here much longer. Mm, oh no! I mean, what does it mean anymore? more for people. Oh, God. I'm thinking about immigrants so coming sad. across the ocean. Never yeah. mind. Go on. Okay, so he, he bought a ticket and he posted about the ticket after he bought it because uh, it is a picture of 
uh, the ticket itself, it was $40. There's a free shuttle included. The departure times are 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. And he says, so, you know, we bought this ticket. We head to the South Ferry, me and my wife. Uh, we got there at 2 sharp. Kids were in tow. We buy the tickets for the, quote-unquote, boat tour of the Statue of Liberty. Then we are escorted to a shuttle bus to New Jersey. Oh, my God. I kid you not. We paid, and then we read the tickets. No one ever mentioned new effing Jersey. Oh, <laughs> this no. This is a scam. <laughs> Just take the Staten Island Ferry. It's the best ride in New York. So, apparently, they. this is one of the biggest scams that people run, is that they won't actually take you to Liberty Island. They'll take you to <laughs> Jersey and just take you on like a crappy boat or something and so they end they they opted to just take the Staten Island ferry which is free and it has a beautiful view well, anyway I mean like how do you get away with that like how do you fall for this though when well, you're when you're from New York well I mean if you've never done it before how would you know but maybe he has like you can't he's lived in New York and never taken a boat Here's to the, the Statue of so, Liberty like, I've lived in LA for eight years I've never gone to Disneyland yeah but Eight years versus an entire lifetime. Yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think about how many people live like in the Southern California region and have never been to the beach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are a lot of people like because it's always there. It's something you don't even think about doing until someone brings it up, and it's like, oh yeah, I guess I should well, go do that. That's what's nice about people visiting from out of town because you do all the touristy crap when they're right. vi- when they're there. So I've, the only time I walked the Golden Gate Bridge was when people were visiting. I was gonna say I'm from the Bay Area. I may have crossed the Golden Gate Bridge twice in my life. Really? Yeah. I think I went to Alcatraz when I was like part of a, it was part of a school trip. It was, when I, was I like went 10. for a field trip, right? I I, I don't f- remember seeing the Golden Gate Bridge in my adult life. Yeah, the only time I've ever seen it again, uh, well, not the Golden Gate Bridge, the uh, Alcatraz, like the inside of Alcatraz, is when I was playing a video game where they had like a mock yeah. of it, and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I should go back to I, Alcatraz. Alcatraz, like I had to recently do some writing about Alcatraz, and I was like, I don't know anything about this place. Like I, you know what I mean? So like I kind of get it. Like uh, it, it, but I mean also like you are like a New York staple it's kind of like you know maybe he hasn't been or maybe he hasn't gone in like 30 years and the scam wasn't being run back then. right and it's, yeah. he's got kids now so you do that stuff right. all right let's talk about this driver who was involved in a crash in Palm Bay and he is now accused of offering the victim free food from Chili's Grill at bar I cannot if the victim wait. did not call officers to the scene this is according according to an arrest affidavit so we will get into that we'll get into what uh, Toys R Us might be making a comeback we're also going to talk about scary movies that were based on real life events so we're gonna spook you and more next (laughs) drop the subject we'll be right back the new channel q drop the subject the new channel q it is a busy busy time around here and um Allie, we are jumping in the middle of your five for five News it or lose it win. I know I've got a lot of work ahead of me. I need to make sure that the next few times you get like zero out of zero out of five. You can't snooze <laughs> zero of my stories. I mean, I've got to really start, you know, leveling the playing field here. All right, I'm so. sorry that my stories are so interesting. I'm. I think it's probably some kind of racism or discrimination or something. <laughs> I'm sure there's like some pay gap or something here. I'll figure out why you're winning. It's, it's fine. Pay gap. <laughs> what you got next? I assure you, there's no pay gap. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's just go over the rest of the details about this driver who offered chilies to the person that he rear-ended. I actually don't know if he rear-ended them specifically, but this uh, the, the victim is the driver of a Nissan Ultima. Poor, poor, poor them already. No, I'm just kidding. Nissan's actually, great. the Nissan Ultima is one of my it's new faves. It's one of the it's best. It's a really good car. 
Get a car now. It's wonderful. So this person was hit by a silver convertible who shall remain nameless. The driver of the convertible then got out of the car. I don't know if there was an apology, but he went straight to, hey, you know what? Why don't we got a little proposition for you? I'm going to give you some chilies. That is a bunch of chilies sound. Pretty great. Better than not calling the police. Okay. Better than calling the police. So uh, when that didn't work, the passenger in the silver convertible decided to threaten to beat the guy up. Oh, my God. Take the chilies or or pay. What? So eventually it started escalating and then the two guys got into the silver convertible and left. And then they went and found them later because the, the victim, the guy who was driving the Nissan, he uh, was able to get their license plate and everything. And uh, he found them watching TV in the house. They said, I had nothing to do with that accident. And they've been arrested. And now you, I think you get charged with something extra for trying to bribe somebody. I'm pretty sure there's like a lot of different things going wrong here. <laughs> like, did, did you? Would you do this for how much chilies would you do this for? Um, I can't think of how many chilies it would take. All right, 10,000 chilies. Lifetime supply. Yeah, no. I just bought some chili powder at the store, <laughs> so I'm actually good on chilies. I guess uh, it also depends on the damage. Like, if it's dam- if it's just like, oh, you can pop out the dent and it's 100 bucks of chilies. No. I, I would do that. I would do that. <laughs> no. I, I love that you're like... Uh, well, actually, if he had just kind of dinged the fender and I could pop it out and it's, buff it, yeah. I'd take 250 chilies. I mean, yeah, if there was a, say, 250 gift card to chilies, not that I, I mean, I'm not a frequent chilies, chilies customer, yeah. but, uh, you know, I haven't been in a while. What's the, what's, I'm down for a throwback. And I if mean, the damage is only 50, 100 bucks. $250 at chilies is like a lifetime supply of chilies. It really is. I think you get endless everything. I was going to say, I haven't been to chilies in a long time, but they have a good queso. They do. And the, don't they make the guac in front of you? Uh, and they're I like, woo, so. here's a car with a Chevy's. big... Chevy's. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're mixing up your places here. <laughs> Damn it. Good work. Just as great. Again, That's a great place. the racism, the disrespect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Toys R Us. They okay. were famously going out of business, but uh, they're making a little bit of a comeback. The comeback that nobody asked for. It's like, you know, when someone retires and they come out of retirement and you're like, what the hell? We just gave you a retirement Exactly. We just doing? hung up your jersey. So, the site... Uh, so, uh, the parent company of Toys R Us, they are turning to a key rival to restart their business ahead of the holiday shopping season because they're like, oh, crap, wait, it's the holidays. We can actually make money. So this company, True Kids Brands, is teaming up with Target to relaunch ToysRUs.com. Okay. It has launched already. It launched yesterday. It features product reviews and videos and directs browsers to a buy button at Target.com to complete the purchase. So I guess it's something like Toys R Us gets a little bit of this money, but it's mainly being redirected I'm wondering to if they're going to like rebrand like their toy section as Toys R Us within Target. You know how like oh, Nordstrom yeah. had like Top Shop and Top Man and like other stores within the store? That, you know, that'd be nostalgic, but I don't know what it really does for anyone. They'd have to take all the flack for the, you know, all the criticism people are getting for the girl aisles versus the boy aisles. Yeah. And then there's a lot of like toy controversy in Target aisles these yeah. days. So they are taking on a risky aisle if that's the case. I'm looking at the, the Super Friends transforming 
Lightning Batmobile RC vehicle on ToysRUs.com. You click on it and it takes you to Target. Okay. I mean, sure, girl. Get your life. (laughs) If it's just one more click and it helps you out, then whatever. I mean, sure. Uh, All right. We're going to talk about the most terrifying horror movies that are based on real events and a plane that tried to crash... But couldn't. But just couldn't pull it off. It just couldn't do it. It was trying and try as it might. It was not it was not in the card. So all that is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new channel Q. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Allie, you're in your five for five. Mm-hmm. I know this is taking longer than usual. Yeah, whatever. It's because you couldn't resist Get my to it, stories. All right. <laughs> News that are lose it continues. We're going to talk about, uh, let me quickly tell you about this plane, and then we can get into the horror movies that were actually based on real events. So I'm just going to start off with a picture, and I will preface this by saying I am flying this weekend, and I believe producer Emmy is flying this weekend. And actually, producer Emmy like nonchalantly low-key told us about a plane crash she was almost in. Yeah. Which I need to hear a first-hand, I, like, on-air account of. Because yeah. she was like, oh, yeah, my plane got struck by lightning. It was super scary. I was like, wait, what? Like, excuse me? So I'm just going to show <laughs> you... twist, we're not dying. We're not, and we didn't die. <laughs> um, I'm going to show you a picture of this plane. Oh, that looks like a plane I would never want to fly So, on. this is a tiny plane. I'll show you two, uh, Ginger Justin. This is a plane hanging upside down from... This is when pg e saves your life. This is a plane hanging upside down because it was tired. It, uh, it got tangled in the electric wires as it was crashing. So, there, there was only one guy that was flying this plane, but he uh, basically, it, he was, like, the plane was going down, and he is being treated at a hospital now. He's fine, but he got tangled in the PG&E. I, I mean, assume it's PG&E. I don't know, but he got caught in the wires, and the plane was just dangling there, oh and he God. didn't, pro- I mean, he probably, his life was saved just because he got tangled in these wires, and was hanging upside down. That so so wild. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you think the plane's going down and it's all lost, but you never know. There could be a, an electric cable that's there to save you. So I'm also thinking how terrifying is it to be just hanging there in the electrical lines, thinking like at any minute you could fall. Yeah, you know but then I mean? at that point, at least you're falling from a lesser distance than you were. Like, you're still better off than you were, which yeah. was crashing from thousands of feet in the air. I mean, my God, that's horrifying. Well, speaking of horrifying, here are some horror <laughs> movies that you might be watching this Halloween uh, season. And there are several of oh, these Justin. movies that were based on real events. And I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm going off of a BuzzFeed article, but I'm going to go off the rails because there is a lot that is not on this list. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the first one. Now, this is about a crazy man with a chainsaw who wears the skin suits of people that he kills. This was based off of a true story. I actually just listened to a podcast about this guy, Ed Gein. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, good old Eddie. Have you have you heard of him? Never in my life. No. Uh, he was a uh, bat s crazy. I think he was <laughs> prolific in the fifties and sixties, maybe. Okay. And he was in love with his mom, and then when his mom died, he went extra crazy and started visiting her at uh, the cemetery. And then he was like, you know what? I need to be closer to her. He was like having conversations with her on a regular basis, and then he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to start digging people up. And then taking their body parts and fashioning them into a suit of my mother oh that my I can God. then wear. Why so. not just, just 
Justin has a satisfied smile on his face right now. He's thrilled with him. <laughs> um, I'm thinking, like, why not just dig up your mom? Yeah, I know. He never dug up his... Maybe he just didn't want to go there. You know, he wanted to make his own He definitely wouldn't suit. know how to deal with Sheeran Ryan. <laughs> no. Because he didn't want to go there. I would actually... Having him as a guest on Let's Go There would be a very interesting interview. But I, he's dead. <laughs> so that Which can't makes happen. it more interesting, actually. Yeah, but he, he went to a mental institution. He ended up uh, being eventually put away. Okay, The Conjuring. Have you ever seen any of those movies? I don't think I've seen any of The Conjuring movies either. So those are based off of real people. There's a real couple called The Warrens, and they were exorcists. And a lot of those movies, including, you know, the Amityville... uh, uh, I don't know if Amityville was specifically them, but The Conjuring 1, 2, and 3 was based on them. And then I believe The Haunting in Connecticut was with them. Amityville Horror had... um, What's his name in that movie? Um, The hot guy that went crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Is that is that one of the Ryans? Mm, I don't know. I don't I'm have my Ryan straight. I'm looking it up. You tell your story. But a uh, haunting in Connecticut, a haunting in Connecticut two. A lot of the haunting movies are based off of real stories. So all of that, and then uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and add the movie Winchester. Winchester? Have you ever seen the movie Winchester? No. About the Winchester Mystery House? No. What is that? You know what the Winchester Mystery House is, don't you? Isn't that like in the Bay Area? It's in San Jose. Yeah, it's the bi- biggest house in the world, I Something think, or like in, the, in the country. For the record, she was crazy, yes. and she thought that there were ghosts coming after her, so she wouldn't stop building in her house, and she uh, would have construction workers building constantly because she was afraid that... She always felt safer with people in the house or something? No, well, her husband made a gun that was used in the war, uh-huh. and all of these people... Who she was afraid that all of these people who died by his guns oh, were haunting, were haunting her. her. Yeah, oh and so she would wear a veil all the time. She wouldn't show her face, Yikes. and she would uh, always have people making construction. Like they would, there'd be staircases that go nowhere. There were like cabinets that didn't open. She was just having people build, build, build. And when she died, it was a rare five-minute period where nobody was doing construction. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they made a really crappy movie about it called Winchester, and you can see it, and it's based on well, true events. Well, you're really selling it. Really crappy movie. Well, it's because I was really excited about it, and then it was a huge letdown, but well, I digress. I will say Ryan Reynolds was the Ryan in was Amityville he? Horror. Okay. And I just remember the abs. <laughs> just like... Those were based on true abs. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be right back. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, it is that time. Drop the subject with Allie and Jared continues and the gay MA kicks off because it is Wednesday. And <laughs> I'm going to continue talking before he says... You, were gonna, you start asking the question and then I hit it. Oh, all right. Okay. I love how he says it without the microphone on, too. Exactly so no right. one knows what you're Justin saying. Justin loves to talk to the <laughs> listeners without a microphone. Just silence. You figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jared. Huh? I'm gonna start with you. I can't hear you, Allie. I'm sorry. What? So it's time for the game, eh? Okay. And I'm gonna ask you one of the most stereotypical questions that uh-huh. always ends up on those lists of here are things to never ask gay people. Oh God. So I love. So let's start there. I love going through these though sometimes because it's it, they just make me laugh. That whole question that people ask where you're like, oh, I know you're two guys or you're, I know you're two girls, but who kind of plays the male and female roles in the relationship? Yeah. And you're kind of like, ugh, I mean, blah. But, I mean, 
to be on the DL, like we all know there are roles. <laughs> we all know there's a guy and a girl in a relationship. So my question is, which one are you? I actually really do as much as I can to reject the roles. Okay, but you love cooking. But that doesn't make me the woman. Yes, it does. No. Because I, I, I grew up in a, in a house with like, I, I uh, my dad is like an amazing cook. My uncle, I always cooked with my dad and my uncles. I still do like when we have like big family events. Oh, okay. So like uh, my dad and my uncle and I will, and my brother will all be in the kitchen like cooking up all the stuff for everyone. So like that's not a thing. Uh-huh. Um, there are like little things where I'm like, oh, I guess this would make me this or it would make me that. Like I hate taking out garbage. Yeah. And I, the last guy I did it, I was like, if you can commit to taking out the garbage all the time, we can get married tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I don't mind taking out the garbage. I was like, I guess you're the one. Um, <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. But I, um, you're dating a porn star now, though, so that's good. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, he um, takes I, out a lot of garbage. We're gonna. <laughs> You know what? Not doing that. Okay. Um, I will say that I really, really try to not allow myself to like fall into gender roles. Um, I think they work for some people, and I think it for some relationships it's really like it, it helps with understanding like how we should function in structure, um, the things that we do. But I, I really tried to to. But how do you them. actively try and reject them? Well, because like I don't like I feel like if you are a top, you are kind of seen as being like the man the in man. the relationship. Uh-huh. If you're bottom, you're seen as the woman. But like when you're when you have two versatile people or like that are on the spectrum of versatility, uh-huh. then that's a little bit harder to square that circle. If you will. I see, I see. Yeah. So so when it comes to being dom- like domestic activity, like you do home design as well. So you I do home be- design. I freaking bake and all that. But I'm also like the person that has power tools and loves to build like things around the house you know what I mean so like do you have an apron I was given an apron by someone but I don't think I've ever worn it what does it say on it I'm Kiss a hot the... gay or something no I'm kidding I'm a hot no, gay I don't know what it says on it <laughs> yeah I, it's been hanging up in my like hallway closet for years oh, okay yeah Yeah. so I, I, I really try to not like uh, I try not to structure relationships that way. I mean, realistically, like depending on who I'm dating, like sometimes yeah. They I mean, have sometimes more you that. fall into yeah. a certain thing, and then you're like, oh, I guess. And then when people ask you, you're yeah. like, like because people have asked me that, and I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of both because I am the cook of the you cook. Cup. I cook every uh, everything. I cook every meal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no resentment but, in that then, statement. No, I cook every single meal. Every I, I'm meal. leaving this weekend without her, and I don't know how she's going to survive, literally. <laughs> um, so, like, I have meals in the freezer that are prepared. <laughs> yeah. I think she's already planning on what she's going to do for meals when I'm gone. It stresses oh, her out that much. She hates going grocery shopping, so I go, I do all the grocery shopping. But see, I've dated someone who didn't even know how to grocery shop. Right. And I was like, how are you an adult male? Like, yeah, you know, but a lot of adult males don't know how to grocery shop. Yeah, I I remember sending him to the grocery store like to pick up a few things because I was cooking, and he called me like three times from the store, and I was like, it's "What are cheese. you doing?" Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. was like, "Did you ask someone where the cheese was? Why are you calling me?" But also, there is a right answer. So, well, but also, like, it pissed me off so much. I was like, I cannot even take him seriously right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, so I do I do the cooking, I do the grocery shopping, but then when it comes to grilling, I'm also a grill master, which can which can be seen as a male role. See, are you? I'm not a good griller, but because my dad and my uncle were always the people who were grilling, so I did, I never like I I had to like grill when I was in fourth grade Boy Scouts, right? Like you over an open fire, oh, but like I've so never fun. been a good griller, but it's something that I really want to do. See, yeah, I think that makes me I adopt more that more 
than baking because baking mm. I really hate doing. I don't like baking and I think a lot of women love to bake. I, Even women who don't like to cook like to bake. Yeah, I love cooking and baking. I feel like if I could add grilling, I'd be untouchable. Yeah. You couldn't tell me anything. But like, I'm like, I've been, I am every man. Exactly. Yeah. No, I've been in relationships with guys who definitely saw themselves as the guy in the relationship and me as the girl, I guess. Right. And they would put expectations on you. Exactly. And I've been in relationships where I was the quote unquote guy in the relationship and he was the girl and like the quote unquote girl. And like, I, it just always feels like a, 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 a and I always feel out of balance in those kind of situations uh-huh, uh-huh. where I feel like I, you know, I, I, it doesn't feel authentic for me. Yeah, yeah. To no. feel like either one or the other. But then it is fun to make those hetero jokes where I'm like, oh yeah, Katie and her Real Housewives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch sports. Right. Exactly. I mean, I that's it's fun and like entertaining, but then like in practical <laughs> application, it yeah. doesn't really work for me. Well, the game A continues. It's half over, and the second half is about to commence. So do not go Look anywhere. At you with sports references. Huh? <laughs> it's a halfway. It's intermission. What? <laughs> Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, Drop the Subject returns, Allie and Jarrett, and it is part two of the GMA. You know, I will preface this by saying, I, uh, during the last commercial break, I said, hold on, I have to pee, and I will think of my GMA question while I'm on the toilet. And then, Jarrett, you did the same, and uh, you must have taken a little longer than you expected. Well, yeah, for me to walk back in the studio and uh, see that we were, <laughs> we were on the air. I normally set a timer for myself, and I was like, oh, I'm just running for a quick pee. Um, but I didn't have to sit on the toilet like you did. That's true. Uh, I, do, gays, I have to do that every time. There's some gay guys who like to sit on the toilet. You didn't pee. have to, but you did anyway. No. <laughs> I think there are straight guys who like to sit on the toilet, too. I mean, there's a little bit more comfortable. Sometimes, but I mean, like, I, I'm not a, I, I'm a urinal person. Anyway, okay. So I've always been a urinal I'm a, man. I'm a urinal guy, a urinal guy. So, okay, GMA. Um, so, Allie. Yes. You're a lesbian. Yes. That's all I got. Um, oh, no. No, I'm really? kidding. <laughs> no, I'm I was kidding. like, that, that was too quick of a pee then. Okay, so I'm always fascinated by the ways that couples communicate, and I always think that straight couples have it a lot harder than gay couples. Um, But I'm also fascinated by the ways that they fight. So, with you and Katie, what do you fight about the most? Oh, Lord. And what are you actually fighting about? Cause oh like, they God, like, this is such a deep question. Well, they always say like, whenever you're fighting with your partner, you're never like, you're never fighting about what you're fighting about. This started for me when you said that you are going out of town, and she's like, "What am I going to eat while you're gone?" Right. And I was like, "So, what do you guys fight about? And like, what are you actually fighting about?" Let's see. We fight about. Oh, this Ooh. is really tough. I don't want to get in trouble because I'm going to get in a fight as a result of this conversation. Uh-oh. But surprisingly, we don't fight about things that I say about Katie on the radio. Okay. I always thought that one day she would be like, okay, never talk about me again. I'm sick of this. How freaking dare you? Yeah. Uh, We talk about... We fight about um, doing chores, like divvying up things. Yeah, household stuff. So, like... I am a person who's naturally a busybody mm-hmm. around the house, so I'll be cleaning or I'll be cooking and I'll be doing this. And Katie will be like straight up playing video games, does not give a crap. Do you see me? Over and here? I'm like, and then yeah. so uh, we fight about that because, but we, I mean, we bicker more than have bigger arguments about it. But I um, have had to. What it's really about mm. is that I feel this innate 
need to constantly be doing something. Otherwise, I am... You feel lazy? Yeah, I feel lazy or I feel like... I, I, but for some reason... I'm fueled by productivity Mm. and sitting there and doing nothing makes me feel like something's not enough. So I completely can relate to that. I've felt that way for years where I feel like if I'm not working, working, I'm being lazy. And only in the last maybe year, year and a half have I been trying to break myself of that. So we've been, we've had this argument, I mean, over the course of 10 years, we've had it many times, and mm-hmm. I think we've had many discussions about it, but I had to come to the realization that I'm doing something because I'm choosing to do that. Mm. So if I'm cleaning the whole house, and then I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted because I had to clean the whole house, and what did you do? Like, She's like, you nope. made that She's like, I never asked you to clean the house. That was your choice to do that. So mm. that helps me reframe to be like, okay, I'm doing this because I choose to do it because sometimes it's therapeutic for me to clean something Interesting. or it's, it's, I don't know. I, I actually enjoy cooking and she hates it. So that's something that I have to recognize within myself and then also ask mm. and say, I don't want to cook tonight. I want you to cook tonight. Can you yeah. please do that? And so that's, that's something that we've navigated over the course of our relationship. Um, and then I, the other big thing I would say is her getting really, really drunk at concerts in front of all my work friends. Ew. That's something that we've <laughs> fought about. She can survive. Well, there was, yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see next weekend because there was a, a t- it was like the first concert we ever went to. I think it was Not So Silent Night over at Live 105 up in the Bay Area. And um, Katie was so excited. You know, we had like backstage passes and everything. And we were interviewing like all these bands. It was like Weezer and Linkin Park and all this stuff. So we were like in the back green room area Mm -hmm. in a specific room where all of us were interviewing these big bands. And she comes like stumbling in with a candle that she had lit and then she drops it and hot wax spills (gasps) all over the couch. Oh my God. Uh, Katie never lived it down. Kevin, I think, still brings up that that wax candle thing Yikes. every single time that's she sees really hard her. To clean up too. Yeah, and then the uh, the drink tickets, getting the free drink tickets. That's a dangerous thing to navigate. So, so we've had many conversations about maintaining a professional atmosphere at a concert, which would seemingly be a time where you're like, "Woo!" I'm like, it's still a work thing for me. Yeah. So that's a tough thing. So we can survive could be really interesting. No, no, we we're having conversation. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be fine. I. Would will survive but will she survive it we i don't know no candles i think the next day is gonna be rough yeah yeah that's okay well all right yeah so i guess that's my very honest answer for you all right we'll take a quick break when we come back we've got more drop the subject don't go anywhere drop the subject we'll be right back the new channel q drop the subject the new channel q Okay, um, there is so much stuff going on with the White House and the president that we've got to jump into a quick roundup of what we've been calling a Trump around. Trump around up. Yeah. Well, it's Trump around, and then it was around, Trump around exactly. because there's just been it's been a, a new S storm every morning, so it can't ever just be one story. So okay, 
I'm gonna try and get through these things as quickly as we can because we've got a news it or lose it. We've got an interview. We still have a whole lot to do left in the show. So this headline comes from NBCNews.com. It says Turkey launches military operation in northeast Syria after U.S. withdraws. Now, yesterday we talked about Trump's tweet about his great and unmatched wisdom and how he was pulling out of Turkey and how Republicans and our allies were like, this is not a good idea. He was pulling out of Syria. He was pulling out of Turkey and that was going to have an impact on Syria. Right, right, right. Okay. So um, this headline says, uh, excuse me, the top of the story says Turkey launched airstrikes in northeastern Syria on Wednesday. Kurdish militia leaders and eyewitnesses said prompting panic among civilians in the region and despair among the fire, the fighters who have been crucial U.S. allies in the war on the Islamic State um, uh, militant group. Basically, us pulling out of Turkey means that they are you know, a little bit freer to do whatever they want. And like, this is what people have been saying we should not be doing. Um, I also remind you, we talked about this yesterday, like Donald Trump needs a stunt like this, right? Like Donald Trump needs some kind of distraction from mm-hmm. his impeachment inquiry to be able to start a war, to be able to, you know, send troops somewhere or something. This is the kind of thing that he needs during an impeachment inquiry. No, it's true. But this is also so, so like him anyway. I mean, this is something that he would do because he's that bad friend where it's like, you've got my back and I've got yours, right? And then it's like, you help him out. And then when it's time to return the favor, he's like, bye. So it's just the classic. We, we... Or, you know, a president's job is also to strengthen the allies that we already have. And he's done nothing for that. And it seems like he's literally done the opposite literally. at every turn. So we've had these allies that have been helping us fight ISIS, which is something that he also uses to, you know, gain voters and things like that yeah. to be like, I'm protecting everybody from ISIS and I'm going to keep them and build the wall and lock it down. And all of those allies that we have that helped us do that, we just kind of abandoned them in this moment. Yeah, we and just so left them. We are, we are doing our ourselves no favors with our allies. And also, I think it's important to think about it from the perspective of, um, you know, oh, we get a new president, we get those allies allies back. But like those allies do not have a sense of trust in what a long term relationship with the United States is going to be if a a president can come in and just completely obliterate the relationship. No, because we're cheating on them. Basically, yeah. Yeah. We, and been, you know who loves that is Putin. Yeah, exactly. Vladimir Putin benefits the most from us alienating ourselves from our allies because he has been trying to break up the UN and the, all those kinds of things for a long time and hasn't wanted those relationships to last. And also it isolates us. So then when they do come and attack us or whatever they do, we don't have anyone to, to no. back us up. So there's Fun. that. Funsies. What um, else? The next <laughs> headline from Huffington Post is White House refuses to cooperate with impeachment inquiry constitutional crisis looms. So this uh, is about how the White House is basically stonewalling all of the uh, impeachment inquiry. They're they are stopping White House officials from testifying, from turning over documents, from being any kind of involved, and this is going to backfire. They are they are hiding way too many different things that when they do come out, it's going to be worse for them. They are like fighting. They're using the Department of Justice and Bill Barr and like everyone to like stop any information from going to um, into Congress. This is going to backfire on them. I mean, how can it not? But then it's also like it's it's like what you keep saying is the destruction of a government. Right. When they are just saying no to the system. Absolutely. And like I was talking about with that book I've been reading, you know, the reason that money works is because everyone believes in the system. They believe that it works. We've all decided, hey, this is worth something. I'm going to give you this money. I'm going to be able to buy this item. But as soon as somebody 
stops trusting that and stay, says, no, you know what? That's not the case anymore. That's and everyone goes, works. wait, what? Exactly. That's when everything gets all messed up. This last headline is Trump, <laughs> Melania Trump said she's, quote, dedicated to helping children. And it didn't go so well. Apparently, uh, she was talking about her Be Best campaign, which uh, is the campaign that also plagiarized a whole bunch of content from the Michelle Obama campaign. Well, and you uh, you know uh, firsthand about that. Indeed. That's your that's your wheelhouse right there. It, indeed it is. Um, be and, best doesn't make any damn sense. Well, first of all, it's grammatically doesn't make sense. Yeah, what the hell? But, I mean, English is not her you first language be to be best. <laughs> He's good now. Well, people were responding to her saying, like, she's all about children and it's like, and Anna Navarro from The View says, uh, girl, please start by helping your husband be a good person. And if that's too heavy a lift, than just being a normal human being will yeah. do. His hashtag be worst attitude and language is influencing future generations. Oh. And like they were like, uh, have you heard about kids in cages? Are you helping those kids? Or what about the kids who are not getting education because of Betsy DeVos? What, you know what I mean? So it's oh been uh, an S-storm for sure. We've got news to lose it <laughs> coming up next. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a little bit of a predicament because we have a very short amount of time before we have to get to an interview. So, Allie, you've got, um, we've got a, you have to limit it to two stories. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Um, and I thought, like, I'll make it easy. You're going to make it hard, aren't you? But I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to make it easy. <gasps> oh, no. Um, this first one, Alessia Cara imitates seven Pop-Tarts. You, Pop-Tarts? Pop-Tarts? <laughs> we All just, right, we this just played is bad Strawberry guy. Exactly. <laughs> we just played bad guy. And I was like, that story is from yesterday. Okay. Here, uh, here's the first one. The most stereotypical food in every state. Uh, I know we love these kinds of stories. It pains me to lose it. Ooh. Okay. I just can't news the first one, then I only have one left. Okay. Okay. Penguins crash a sushi joint. There you go. All right. That was an easy one. Here's one that you might love. 15 gorgeous plaid coats for fall that make a statement. <laughs> Figured you probably wouldn't go for that one. Here's a difficult one. Jeopardy host Alex Trebek says he's not afraid of dying. Oh! How can I lose that? How dare you? You tricked me. <laughs> and then... I can't news this one, but what is it? Maybe. Mindy Kaling says the TV Academy tried to strip her of her producer credit on The Office. Oh, that's messed up. Lose it. Oh, disrespect. I can only news two, you said. I'm just saying, you apparently uh, hate Indian women. All right. Um, (laughs) Penguins crash a sushi joint. It's racism. Uh, And uh, Jeopardy host Alex Trebek says he's not afraid of dying. We'll talk about both of those coming up next. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. All right, Allie. Um, because you're racist and um, 
um, because you hate this women. This isn't fair to do before we talk to our guests. It's exactly why we're doing it. No, that actually works out a little too perfectly. Um, and because you hate You're building women. building up me as a racist. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so, this first story is about Alex Trebek. I uh, have been a big fan of Alex Trebek for a long time. I've gone to multiple Jeopardy tapings, and I think Alex Trebek is one of the best hosts on television, just as far as, like, sheer, just, like, bro- as a broadcaster, he's amazing to watch in person. He's so great because he doesn't ever make it about him. Yeah. He's just a... He's, that's when a great host just... You don't even think about him. And he's, then at the end of it all, you're like, man, that guy was great. so good at it. He's so good at it. Well, he's uh, been battling pancreatic cancer, as we know, for a little over a year now. And uh, things seem to have, be ta- have been taking a turn. So I told you guys that I went to the last taping of last season. Uh, and it was kind of an emotional day that a lot of Jeopardy! champions there because there was this... Um, there was this feeling in the air that no one addressed, but that everyone kind of knew that this might be his last taping. And this was in the fall in the springtime when they were wrapping up the season. And um, there, everyone was just like happy to be there just in case it was his last day. Mm. And he, um, he were there came- a lot of repeat like are, since you've been to a few, are there people like you that go to multiple like they go regularly Um, most of the people that were there were like big fans of the show that have been there before or like I said former Jeopardy champions and there's always like oh those people people attending okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh and so um, when he at the end of the day uh, at the end of the taping he usually comes out and takes more questions and all that but at the end he came out and he stood at the edge of the stage and like he opened his mouth to speak and it almost looked like his microphone wasn't on like they hadn't cut it on yet and then we realized like he couldn't say anything and he was trying not to cry and he just said thank you and he turned around and walked away tears for 300 i know and everyone stood up and applauded and like like cheered him on and like was hoping he would come back out and he didn't and it was just a very emotional day for him and so um he did come back though he came back earlier this year and i mean uh, earlier this spring and has been i'm sorry in the summer they started filming for the fall and um, he was back and he was like you know I'm doing well but like it seems like the cancer's having uh, well pancreatic cancer is one of the most aggressive I think it's the most aggressive isn't it it's yeah it's really aggressive and so he um, he's been saying that the cancer now is starting to develop sores in his mouth no and it's making it more difficult for him to speak and he's saying I'm gonna continue to do my job as long as I can until you know which time that I can't speak well enough they better to do take the job. good ass care of him absolutely and it's it's hard because like i've joked for years like not really joked but like i'm like oh my god i want to be i want that job after alex trebek decides to leave but it's like what an awful way to get a job because like i mean he's an icon. it's a horrible sh- i mean it, there's shoes to fill that especially given the circumstances any host is kind of in a lose exactly lose situation there. absolutely yeah. so um all my prayers and and good vibes and good juju going to alex trebek and hoping that uh he recovers yeah. and uh as well um so okay this headline <laughs> comes from cnn it's a completely different story oh penguins i forgot says, yeah yes, pair of penguins waddles into new zealand sushi spot all right are these the gay penguins they are not the gay penguins to my knowledge okay because i was like 
Gay gay. It says uh, the owners of this, I think it's Sushi by B.I., a restaurant in Wellington, <laughs> New Zealand. I know, right? Wait, in what? Wellington, this is very Channel Q. Then. Wellington, New Zealand, however, were surprised to discover shelter-seeking blue penguins as their intruders. Known by the name Corora, which comes from the Maori language, uh, the birds populate many regions around New Zealand and Australia and are famous for their blue plumage. It says, after being temporarily detained in the early hours of the morning by Constable John Zhu, the penguins were returned to Wellington Harbor, only a few blocks away from the restaurant. Later that evening, the birds returned to the restaurant, perhaps in an effort to um, to nest there. So basically, like they were trying to find shelter, and they kept going into this restaurant. Do you think that this is New Zealand's version of Florida Man? You mean like like it's like Florida Man penguins? comes re- like like and wakes Zing- up drunkenly with no pants on. It's like f- New Zealand penguins break <laughs> yeah, into a sushi New Zealand restaurant. Penguins <laughs> says, carrying says, a machete. It says it wasn't the first time that these blue penguins were spotted wandering past the harbor. Um, it, another interesting thing about this is like they're considered at risk in that region. Like they're um, and at risk or almost endangered. Uh, it says in a statement posted on their Facebook page, the Wellington District Police wrote, "We received a call about 8:40 p.m. on Saturday night of a penguin." went on the road in Featherston Street. Mm. Police responded with and uh, with some help for the members of the public, released the penguins and described that their names are Little and Blue back into the sea. Oh. Um, well, don't drink cute. and waddle. That's I, just a... Well, it's always a good, a good call. That's a good call. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dr. Robin D'Angelo wrote an article that talks about why it's so difficult to talk with white people about racism. She's a white woman, so it's interesting to hear her perspective on race and racism is something that we talk about a good amount um, here on the show, especially with Allie hating um, Mindy Kaling. Okay, so, what? <laughs> that's not true. Let's not start that. All right, uh, I hope she's not listening. Dr. Robin D'Angelo's coming this up This is next. just going to be a scream session at me. <laughs> Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I'm Jarrett. That's Allie. I want to remind you that you can uh, follow us on the social meds everywhere at DTS Show. That's Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow us. You can keep up with what's going on in the show, but you can also DM us uh, or respond to us. Uh, we read a lot of the responses on the show. Yeah. And, somebody, sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. Somebody had uh, direct messaged us at DTS Show. Like you said, they were following your directions, said that uh, they can completely relate to what me and my wife fight about. Oh, about the. In every single way. They said it's scary. Yeah. So that makes me feel a little <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, you're so there you go. hashtag relatable. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, so I found this article. Uh, someone directed me to this article on Twitter, and I thought, like, uh, I started reading it, and I was like, I'm listening to a white lady talk about racism, and then I was reading it more, and I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. Uh, the headline is called, it says, Why It's So Hard to Talk to White People About Racism, and it's written by Dr. Robin D'Angelo. She's an author, and she's joining us on the phone right now. How's it going, Dr. Robin? Hello. It's great to be here. Great. It's so great to have you on, and I appreciate you coming on and talking about this piece um, that you wrote in the Huffington Post a little while ago. Um, talk mm-hmm. to me, first things first, Like, how did you get started in this work? Because I know this is a lot of the focus of the work that you do. Yeah, well, I was your classic white liberal, right? <laughs> um, classic white progressive, applied for a job I wasn't qualified for, and that was uh, as a diversity trainer and just thought, well, of course I'm qualified to lead people in discussions of racism. I'm a vegetarian. I mean, how could I be racist? Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, this will be just so fun. And so I did get the job because uh, white people get to do all kinds of things they're not qualified for. 
But I was in for the most uh, profound learning of my life uh, on two levels. One, I was working side by side with people of color who were challenging the way I saw the world and my place in it. And part of being white is I could be that far in life and never have had my worldview challenged by people of color, Mm -hmm. not in any significant, sustained way. And so that was a kind of fish being taken out of water experience. And then we were going into the workplace, overwhelmingly white workplaces, trying to talk to white people about race and racism. And the hostility and the fragility and the resistance was stunning. And just after years of it, I just got better and better at both understanding how we pull that off and how to speak back to it. So why do you think white people get so hostile and aggro <laughs> when you bring this this subject matter up? Well, we have to always ask the question of how does it function? So the bottom line is, who does it serve for us to get uh, hostile and resistant and angry and shut down and silence the conversation, right? Who does that serve? I mean, that serves us to do that because it protects the status quo, and the status quo is racism, and that serves white people. Uh, So, I mean, that for me is the bottom line is I'm not really interested in the intentions behind it. I'm interested in, in the impact that that has. And there's lots of other threads, of course, internalized superiority. I mean, the research is very clear that children understand very early, age three to four, that it's better to be white in this society. Everybody internalizes that message. But, of course, the impact is different depending on whether you are or aren't white. Uh, But we could never admit to internalized superiority. Uh, I think there's some guilt. Um, There is... The very precious ideology of individualism, which allows us to exempt ourselves from the society we live in. Uh, we're also constantly responded to as if we're objective, you know, uh, represent, representatives of, you know, the world. I often use the example that Mike Lee is just a film director who makes films about the human condition, but Spike Lee is always a black film director who makes films about black issues. Mm-hmm. And what that does is grants uh, Mike Lee, which would be white people, both objectivity and universality. Uh, but it always marks Spike Lee as having a particular and biased and limited perspective. Yeah, so when I, you put uh, all these dynamics together, white people are pretty irrational <laughs> I, uh, on this topic. I, I remember a friend of mine saying to me at a dinner party, uh, maybe last year, saying like, white is the default for human. And like, it really mm-hmm. struck me to hear it worded that way. Um, yeah. And it, it, it kind of speaks to what you're saying is like, being white means like, you are human. And like, this is in your yep. experiences, it's completely objective. And like being anything else is like, you are other. And one of the things in your article that I thought was really interesting at the very top here, it says any white person living in the United States will develop opinions about race simply by swimming in the water of our culture. But mainstream sources, schools, textbooks, and media don't provide us with multiple perspectives we need. Yes, we will develop emotion. We will develop strong, emotionally laden opinions, but they will not be informed opinions. Um, I thought that was really an interesting way to be able to say, like, we white people have like an, a worldview that is informed by telling them that they are what is normal, they are what is everyday, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I would love for you to unpack that a little bit. 
Yeah, we also live such segregated lives that we don't see other people's realities. And, and we're never given the message that it is really of any value to, to know or understand other other realities. I want to say something about um, the white as, as the ideal. That, that's basically white supremacy. Exactly. Right? And I know that that's a very charged term for a lot of white people. Yes, of course, it includes people who would wear white hoods. But it's also a highly um, descriptive sociological term for the society we live in and a society that elevates white people as the norm for humanity and everyone else as a kind of a particular deviation from that norm. And the image I often show, I I spend a lot of time looking for single images that I think illustrate complex concepts. When I'm talking about white supremacy, I show the image of the Sistine Chapel, God creating man. For me, that is just the perfect image. Get it in your mind, right? Mm. (laughs) Um, Of God as white, Jesus and Mary as white, uh, who, of course, were not white in real life. Just this constant representation of human as white. And as children... I mean, I can tell you as a white child, I wasn't looking up at images of God and Jesus and Mary and thinking about them as white. But that's part of that just relentless uh, validation and reflection that other people aren't getting. We have to take a quick break, Dr. D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. But um, when we come back, you have these uh, these uh, various patterns that you say uh, make it difficult for white people to understand racism as a system. Um, I'd love, I love for you to be able to chat about those. Okay. Okay. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll drop the subject after this. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. We're back with Allie and Jarrett. And we are here with Dr. D'Angelo. We're talking about an article that, uh, Doctor, you wrote in Huffington Post called Why It's So Hard to Talk to White People About Racism. And uh, Jarrett started talking about some of the points and the things that you uh, realized uh, from talking, the challenges that you faced when talking about uh, white people, about racism. And what are some of those? I know there's a lot of bullet points here and we won't be able to get to all of them, but what are some of the realizations that you came to and some of the challenges you face when talking to white people about racism? Yeah, and, and as I name these also, I have these same challenges within myself. I mean, I'm white, so I'm not outside of anything that I'm talking about, um, but that gives me a kind of insider's understanding. And so let's start with the one that Jared brought up, which is opinions. You know, all white people have an op- opinion on racism, but that doesn't make it informed. Uh, you can get through graduate school in this country without ever discussing racism. You can get through law school. You can get through teacher education. And so the, the first challenge for those of us who are white is, is humility, for goodness sakes, right? Mm. To just have some racial humility about the necessary limits of our understanding and to, to listen uh, more. Right. So, so that's one challenge, the arrogance of our ignorance. Right. Uh, another challenge is individualism. We get a lot of emphasis on ourselves as unique and special, and we take great umbrage at being generalized about. So this is probably happening for some of your listeners right now. Their backs are up because I'm generalizing about white people. And they're thinking, well, you don't know this about me, and you don't know that, and if you knew this or that, you'd know why I'm an exception to everything you're saying. 
which of course would only convince me that they're not an exception because everything that they see as an exception is probably a script I could hand them before they say it. Huh. Right. Right. Um, yes, we are individuals and we are members of a social group. By virtue of our membership in this social group, we could predict whether you and your mother were going to survive your birth. We can predict how long you're going to live, all of us, based on our membership in this social group of race. It's significant. There is a shared collective experience. We're all swimming in the same water. In the same way that no heterosexual identified person can miss the message that heterosexual is normal, that it is the ideal for humanity. You can't miss that message. You can resist that message. You can fight that message, but you're going to have to deal with that message, right? Same with the gender binary. You can challenge it, but you can't escape it. We are all getting messages about what it means to be male or female and what it means to be white or black or indigenous. And we have to be willing to grapple with that collective message and set aside this unique, special exemption. What I always ask people is just, sorry about that. No, you're okay. Because I'm excited. (laughs) Everything you think is, is, is an exception. Ask yourself how that thing sets you up into the racial hierarchy you live in. Because we live in a racial hierarchy and nothing exempted us from it. So maybe, you know, I grew up in poverty. So I learned my place in the racial hierarchy from a different class position than a middle class white girl learned hers. Right. But we both learned our place. So it's on us to figure out how we learned it and what it looks like, how it's manifesting in our life today, not to say that we were untouched by it. Dr. D'Angelo, I feel like I could talk to you about this forever. I know. It's like, yeah. Yeah, we're out of time, but like, I, I love the way that you positioned. I've been working on this piece for a long time about reframing how we view the terms, uh, the, the phrase white supremacy, and that it's not just mm-hmm. about burning crosses and white hoods, but it's about this idea that like whiteness is rightness. Um, and mm. I, I would love to have you back at some other point to be able to talk because I feel like we could talk to you, like I said, all day. But um, tell people where they can find out more information about you and the work that you yeah. do. Yeah. Well, thank you. So you can go to my website, robindiangelo.com. My book, uh, White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism, uh, I'm very proud to say it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for 64 weeks. Wow. Get it, girl. Yeah, which is kind of amazing for a non-famous person. Um, (laughs) And there's a reader's guide that goes with it that you can download from my website. And the website's filled with resources. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, And we'll talk to you again soon. We are so excited to be able to uh, chat with you. And um, I just tweeted out the link to the article on DTS show and on mine from at Jarrett Hill. um, So people can see the article and talk about uh, and kind of begin a conversation with uh, folks about. Yeah, in the break room at work. Absolutely. Just go ahead and start. Open that Pandora's box. (laughs) We will take a quick break. We've got more Drop the Subject coming up. Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, Allie, we've had a very full show. Yes. Um, Reminder that we did just tweet out the link to that article from Dr. D'Angelo if anyone's interested in uh, reading a little bit more about what she was um, discussing. It's a really, like great article yeah it's like it's dense so it's like I had to read it a couple of times I know for me just like because you're white 
Yeah, because I'm white, yeah. basically. Well, because I think that when someone like you, I mean, obviously you've like had a lot of these conversations more so than I have, yeah. to be honest. So when I'm reading stuff like that, it's a little more new to me. So it takes a couple, like I, I read it again. I'm like, okay, what, let me put these yeah, things yeah. together. Um, especially because she's a great writer and she also is writing about things that she's been studying for a long time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you're interested in reading that, I would recommend giving it a, a twice over. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I mean, it's definitely very rich. It's like uh, like a, a very rich piece of dessert. Like you shouldn't eat it all at one time. Right. Like, take a, like one take bullet point. I'm like, okay, whoa. Anyway. Let me say with that, yeah. Um, okay. Happy endings. Here we go. This is the time in the show where we take something that maybe was a little bit of a bummer town and then we send it on over to Happy Town. Justin, have you been writing over there? I have. Okay. What All you right. got for us? Sure, there are a few accidents during the show today, but I'll buy you both dinner at Chili's if you promise not to call the cops. Ah, uh, I'll take it. I'll, uh, hopefully there aren't penguins running around the freaking Chili's. <laughs> Allie, what you got? That, then I would really then go back to Then you'd actually really want to go, if right? If there yeah. were penguins running around. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm kind of... Uh, I don't really have one. Okay. Yes, in San Francisco and the Bay Area, the power might be out, and that's a real bummer. But here's my message to you. Are you doing hand signals? I don't know. I'm playing charades. Oh, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you realize no one can see your hand gestures one word. on the right. Okay. First word. This is safety message. It's like, okay, baby. Mm-hmm. In a cradle. Baby uh, back ribs. Yes. Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> no, I don't know like, what I was doing. You had just pinched your nipple. I'm like, are we talking about breastfeeding a baby? Like, what's happening right it's now? something else to do in a power outage, okay? Um, okay. Right. What's yours? Top that. I, well, I just might not. Um, <laughs> okay. 75% of millennials may be quitting their job. Okay. First of all, my first one was going to start off with, you may be a racist against Indian women like okay. Mindy Kaling, but look what? at the bright side. But I'm not doing that. I don't want to What is the bright that. side to that? <laughs> there is one. But here's the bright side. Well, it's there was not just true. an ellipsis. There's no period. So it was just kind of like hanging there. Okay. okay. But my real one. 75% of millennials may be quitting their jobs over their mental health. But look at the bright side. We'll have a whole lot more time to be having less sex, no kids, and not getting married. That's true. So, and not being able to afford diamonds or exactly, eat cereal. Exactly. Very exciting. Um, that is such a great silver lining. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know, it might be like a stainless steel lining. Mm. <laughs> if you are not walking out of this happier than when you came into it, that's on you. That's on you. You okay. did that to yourself. Tomorrow's going to be really exciting. We're going to even, we're going to top this with flu shots live yes. on the air. And we have uh, Dr. Chris from Loveline's going to be telling his coming out story. Great. That's literally just confirmed. Okay, good. I was looking at you like, like, is that that happening? Great. That's wonderful. Literally while we've been talking, I just got that confirmation that he's coming. So uh, we'll have his story tomorrow. That's exciting. Lovely. Okay, so we got another jam-packed show tomorrow. Don't don't, uh, touch that dial because we got some good jams for you. Then Let's Go There is going to be on. And you can hear Ryan, who told his coming out story on our show earlier. Yes, and I want to remind you that tomorrow night after the HRC and C and then uh, Democratic Candidates Forum. We will be live for one hour. That's going to be 9 o'clock Pacific time, uh, midnight Eastern, uh, doing a recap of everything that we just heard from all the candidates. It'll be myself and um, some very special guests who will be providing a breakdown on everything that we heard. <gasps> Is so. it me? No. Yeah. I wasn't invited. Oh, wait. Do you want to? Well, 
I guess that's the, that's the real silver lining here. <laughs> bye bye. On the next, on the next, drop the subject. On the next show, Loveline's Dr. Chris is sharing his coming out story as we continue to celebrate National Coming Out Day and Channel Q's one year anniversary. And another spectacular edition of Tales from the Millennial Crypt. That's something that only millennials would spend money on. What will it be? Will it be the Diplo concert was canceled? Avocado toast is $17. Your emotional support mini horse has been banned from the airplane. Drop the subject. 12 to 2 Pacific, 3 to 5 Eastern. On the new Channel Q.